This week's Video Game Apocalypse is brought to you by GameFly, and Video Game Apocalypse listeners can go to gameflyoffer.com slash lasertime and get started with a free 30-day trial. And welcome to episode 258 of Vigigame Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparas, and this will be the first of several shorter format episodes uh, running through the month of April. Who dares speak? Uh, the grand prize wiener, Chris Antista. And we have two special guests joining us in the Tyler Wilde Memorial Studio. First, uh, the man who just emerged from the night in the woods, Matthew Allen. Nice. And pre-tired from GDC, Nathan Ortega. Ah, yes. <laughs> We're recording these well in advance. That uh, doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> That's how pretired I am. Yeah. Yes, yes. For next year. For right. 20, oh, yeah. 20, for GC the next 2019. Three. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Ready Player One is uh, scheduled it. to come no out. One is, uh, <laughs> no one make anything for me. Ever. <laughs> Ever. You don't know me, executives and Spielberg. Mm-hmm. You suck. I'm actually really curious about the All movie. of a sudden, I'm a literary critic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't like it because this book sucks. Un- unpopular opinion. I actually really like the book. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. it. I I've it listened great. to it twice. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is interesting to me, like, with, with all the kerfuffle around Ready Player One online, is that, like, people seem to have this image of it in their heads. as like, it's just bringing together a bunch of populist nostalgia cruft from the 80s mm-hmm. and presenting it like, hey, you love all this corporate garbage. Uh, when, in fact, like, if you... I, I have no idea what the movie is going to be. Maybe that is the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book is kind of like this very specific late 70s, early 80s nostalgia that I think is uh, directly specific to Ernest Klein, the author. And yeah. it's like, that's not my nostalgia. Like, most of the stuff he talks about, like, uh, like the specific Rush concept album and playing Dungeons of Daggerath on a TRS-80. Uh-huh. Like, none of this is... <laughs> at all something I can relate to, but it's still interesting to hear someone else talk about it. Yeah. Especially in the context of, like, what if Second Life was good? And it, <laughs> it was a virtual reality thing that everyone was plugged into. The Oasis. I yes. think it's really interesting that, that the main character in that is, like, nostalgic for a time he never knew. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's such a specific choice so that the author, which I've met, he's kind of a cuckoo bananas guy. But, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like he's like kind of living vicariously through this character who shouldn't, by any by normal logic, like even know about this stuff, except for mm-hmm. he just dove into it retroactively, kind of like Kylo Ren, sort of diving into the history of his grandfather and trying to live vicariously through him, rather than like. But isn't that the conceit though? That like, because it involves it involves the creator of the Oasis, right? Yes. is obsessed with that era. So right. like the but same it, way we introduce concepts and old fucking movies the reason we have a Flintstone meme in our right. fucking community yeah. isn't because anybody saw the Flintstones and was interested it's just we introduced it through our experience yeah but it's, it's, it's that the creator has not only was not only obsessed with this stuff but has st- founded a like a hundred billion dollar contest mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. he dies and it's like you can win my entire fortune and a controlling share of this 
pastime that everyone participates in mm-hmm. if you are into the same shit that I'm into. Exactly. So, of course, it, it's like this huge resurgence of nostalgia into what his his specific deal was. Right. And people trying to figure that out, like, sift through all this nostalgia. Like, well, I, I know 80s. Ghostbusters really well, but he doesn't <laughs> care about Ghostbusters, so who cares? Well, I love the 80s and the Iron Giant. That, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know where the Iron Giant came so from. So there's two reasons. There's two reasons for their, their specific nostalgia. It's that, mm-hmm. but it's also in the book... Um, there's been a huge economic collapse and society's yes. kind of, you know, has, has gone downhill. And so the Oasis just happened to coincide with that. And so they are all fleeing to kind of actually live their lives in the Oasis because mm-hmm. the real world is so terrible. Yeah. And so and, they're all and the pining. Oasis is free. Also. And, and it's free. Mm-hmm. And, but they're all pining for this bygone era when when things were still good, right? It was very much like when we were growing up, people were pining for the 50s and 60s because that's the last or, time they remembered like things being great and or amazing. Or half the movies nominated for Oscars. Right. <laughs> Seriously, we got I got a little nice little speech at uh, the Roxy the other night. The oldest theater in San Francisco, people bitch about how expensive movies are. I'm like, he was like, movies are the cheapest form of entertainment. They always have been, and they always they always will be. It's the cheapest thing you can possibly do mm. for your dollar. It's less expensive than Broadway, a show, mm-hmm. video game, like $12, like find something else you can do for hours that cost you $12. It doesn't exist. True. But on a per hour basis, I'd still argue video games. Video games, for All sure. Day. For sure. It's just, the, it's just the investment. Yeah, the upfront. The gate. The main gate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ready Player One, because the, the conceit is built around a real life contest that has to, rewards mastery of a video game, essentially. Uh, we thought it would be fun to spend this week uh, with a top five about other real-life contests that came out of video games. And to qualify for this, it had to be... It couldn't just be like, hey, we're doing a sweepstakes to promote our game, fill out this card, and uh, send it in. Like, that's, it, that's what I suggested. I've always wanted to rewatch yeah. the MTV Sonic & Knuckles first ever like eSport event on Alcatraz. Where they put all these children what? in cells, yes, <laughs> oh to God. play Sonic and Knuckles. A simpler um, time. A simpler <laughs> time, putting kids in jail. Uh, don't miss the boat. There's no food. Bye. All oh, of geez. them were like chain-smoking business guys with <laughs> yeah. no ties on, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is my headcanon. Oh, I wish I could have been there. <laughs> so these, these games that we're going to talk about, these are all contests that rewarded or would have rewarded something that players did in games. Uh, we, we There's one that we left out that you brought up uh, just beforehand. I wanted to like at least highlight a little bit. Yeah, I think it's it's a great example uh, for all of these. It's a Zelda contest mm-hmm. um, that Nintendo ran, or Nintendo Power specifically ran yes. back in the day. Right, oh. and it was it was actually a rewarding performance in Final Fantasy. Because, like, Nintendo Power readers may remember that there was a contest when Final Fantasy came out saying, be the first to send us a picture of this randomly spawning high-level boss named Warmech that, like, shows up on this bridge when you're, like, that you're crossing to the final boss. And uh, you'll be entered into this contest... And the the contest prize was to get your name in the next Legend of Zelda game. Oh, how do they is, convince Nintendo of Japan <laughs> to allow this yeah. to happen? Which is why uh, Link to the Past has the what is called the Chris Houlihan room, <laughs> which is Still a, does? a secret room that uh, you if you like falling in, into a hole in a certain way that like the game can't figure out where you're supposed to go, it'll drop you in there, and there's like 45 blue rupees and a little sign. That says like Chris Houlihan, and I think in the Game Boy version, the GBA version, like that sign is missing. Mm. So, <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it's probably in the SNES Classic. Uh, yeah, might I can't be. imagine they'd go to the trouble to remove it, but 
you can see why they wouldn't do a contest like that. Just to have some weird thing, some dipshit won by sending in a self-addressed stamp envelope right. in 1989. With a Polaroid of a, of a Mac. <laughs> so I've also heard that. That is one way people can test like if it's, if it's just a straight-up like emulated port or if they've actually done work is if the Chris Houlihan mm. room exists in the game or not. Uh. You can really tell, like, okay, they just brought this thing over. So. Interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at the, the wiki right now. It says there are two ways to access it. One is... Use a bomb to knock Link into the lowest few pixels of the screen. Link can also use the Pegasus boots to knock knock himself backwards. Next, using the Pegasus boots facing downwards into a screen transition, finding a hole and dropping into it. Or then going into certain rooms like the Sanctuary or the Cave Northeast of the Lost Woods and dashing out of it. As Link leaves the room, the camera shifts down slightly. Then Link must find a hole and stand next to it, <laughs> setting a bomb down and allowing the blast to knock him into the hole. Like this sounds weird. So you mentioned the enjoy Ninten- your prize, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned did Nintendo of Japan uh, know about this? Obviously not, right? Because basically they ended up using it as kind of a debug room for when you make a mistake, or they made yes. it is difficult as humanly possible to actually reach this room. They're like, oh yeah, sure, we'll do it. Here's how we're going to implement it. Yeah, your prize is literally garbage. (laughs) And the the tile just says, my name is Chris Houlihan. This is my top secret room. Keep it between us, okay? (laughs) That seems sinister. I don't like the the implications of that. It does, but like... No one will believe you. (laughs) There's very few contests... My name is Chris Houlihan. You can call me Uncle Touchy. This is my puzzle basement. (laughs) There's very few contests that don't involve millions of dollars that I wish I would have won. But to like have my name in one of the best Zelda games forever Mm -hmm. is really cool. It's it's a kind of immortality, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And we'll get into five other kinds of immortality right after this. Thank you, fine folks, for listening. Hope you're not too bored. You know what the perfect solution is for being bored and always has been? Goddamn video games. <laughs> That's why this episode is brought to you by Gamefly. And just so you know, you listeners can go to GameflyOffer.com slash LazerTime and get started with a free 30-day trial of the service. What is Gamefly? It's like Netflix, but for games, you should know that by now. You create a queue, they ship out two to three games to you. It's up to you. You play them for as long as you want, ship them back, and they'll just keep on shipping stuff from your queue. This is a great way to save money on not only playing a bunch of new releases, a bunch of old releases, because not only does Gamefly have over 8,000 titles ranging from PS4, Xbox One, Wii U, PS Vita, they go all the way back to the original Wii, the original Xbox, PS2 in certain cases. I know, right? And to sweeten the service even more, Gamefly allows you to buy a game back. Have you kept it out for a long time? Do you want to just keep it? Are you that settled into the multiplayer? You can buy that game back from Gamefly at an extremely reduced cost and they'll send you the box and manual as if you purchased it anywhere else. Once again, you don't have to take my word for it. You can get started with a 30-day free trial for yourself by going to GameflyOffer.com slash LazerTime. And we're back to talk about what? Of course, the top five... What, what are we calling this exactly? Real-world contests? In-game in con- yeah. yeah, IRL in-game contests. IRL in-game contests, fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's begin with... Number five. Oh, excuse me. I thought you were some other war hero, suck up, brother. I think he wants a fight. Yeah? Let's see what you got. Gideon, the co-pilot of the first alien contact party, can't go starting a barroom brawl. You're sure about that? (laughs) Yeah. That's the pilot's job. (laughs) I know this one. Um, Mass Effect Andromeda? Yeah, close. (laughs) Uh, there, there are connections there. Um, Advent Rising, right? Yes, Advent Rising. Will Friedle, yeah. I know Will Friedle's voice anywhere. Oh wow! Yeah, Advent <laughs> Rising, uh, a game published by Majesco that was 
accompanied by a contest to win a million dollars, uh, and then it was going to be awarded to the first person who could successfully find a series of glyphs hidden throughout the game. Uh, unfortunately, they figured out that there was no way to make the contest secure, whether it was... They were, it was it's not quite clear, looking into this, whether it was they were worried about hackers, or I think Wikipedia says that there was like something with the international time difference that made it unfair uh, to certain people but like doesn't cite that but this is uh, number five on the list because because of those fears it was canceled and Mm. so uh, Majesco ended up offering as a condolence prize to everybody who had bought the game like send in the UPC and your uh, picture of your gamer tag and we will send you two free games of your choice from this short list. Oh, wow. all right. So it at least there from was Majesco. a payout. Yeah, me Cookie thi- Mama. <laughs> me yeah. thinks the game did not get enough pre-orders that like they anticipated. Mm, that could be too. Mm. Like this is not going to justify a million dollar expenditure. I was running a GameStop when it came out. There were no pre-orders. It didn't make a million dollars. <laughs> we can't do this. I don't know if that. Yeah, they might have assumed it was going to be a bigger Halo-esque hit than it was, and they're like, mm. oh, FFF, we got to bail out. We're going to I don't want to say it on mic because it's one of two games <laughs> that two of my friends made their permanent Xbox Live gamer tag as a reference to it being <laughs> <Wow>. shitty. It's <laughs> a two-human and an Advent Rising reference, and like, <laughs> oh. we're ten years removed, man. This is the dumbest gamer tag I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't... It wasn't that bad. It was. It was um, just hyped a lot. Yeah, it was. It was really overhyped, and but it it was very much like fitting into this. There was a period of the Xbox's life when it was like the market was oversaturated with Halo wannabes. Yeah. It's like very pretty, atmospheric uh, sci-fi shooters. Pariah was another one. Black. Uh, you oh, know, yeah, well, no, yeah. black. Black was modern day. So I know, but it was. I remember being talked about in magazines like Halo Killer and uh, Killzone. Yeah. Killzone, yeah, stuff yeah. like Haze. Haze from Haze. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just like a weird time to be alive. And uh, <laughs> Advent was, Rising. Was. Advent Rising was I've about glyphs and Advent Rising. <laughs> yeah, you're this. <laughs> you're this young. Uh, Arnie space... Klein, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> Young space pilot named Gideon, mm-hmm. uh, hanging out with his brother and wearing bell bottoms for some reason, and uh, you get to be part of the delegation to visit aliens who've made contact because they worship humans. We've searched a long time, many lifetimes. Our people have looked for you, glorious humans, survivors. I. I, so, I love that yeah. kind of sci-fi that just like at the end like yeah we're obsessed with humanity yeah. no, oh yeah. man humans are the it's best very... no you are and you had to make a story like that what alien race it... capable of seeing us and coming to talk to us would be obsessed with us for any reason I mean it was an Orson Scott card plot yeah. right and no, he's, so, always, he's yeah, always about that uh, crap like that's like in every story he's done just about it's real yeah. narcissistic well it's a plot to one of my favorite movies Galaxy Quest where not only yeah. are they, they worshipping yeah. humans right. they're worshipping the uh, idealized TV versions of humans yeah, yeah well I think I think in this version that humans are like the precursor race that founded galactic civilization but we were mm. like hunted almost to extinction and our homeworld was destroyed uh, by these guys called the Seekers. I have personally slain more of your pitiful kind than ever lived on that sad little rock you call home. You are going to wish you had died with the rest of your sorry world. My kind has perfected the art of slaughtering humans, little man. You are about to learn how deep pain can go. (laughs) 
Oh, Bane is the name of my penis. We all got postgraduate <laughs> degrees in slaughtering humans. <laughs> um, I did my human slaughtering internship at BYU. The thesis was disgusting. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Um, yeah, I was having a great time doing that video. The actors were clearly having a grand time doing these roles, but... Uh, the the friendly aliens help you unlock uh, humanity's latent telekinetic abilities, I think, and uh, mm. and and like no humans originated all this stuff and taught it to the rest of us, so it's our pleasure to teach it to you. And then it's you a reverse it NASA a effect, really, when you think about yeah, it. Kinda. <laughs> it is. Yeah, kind of. It is. Yeah. The gameplay was kind of fun, though. I do remember playing it because when I worked at GameStop, you could like play take everything. any game home mm-hmm. for like a day or mm-hmm. two, and so I was like, I'll play anything and everything at this point. And it was like there's this weird floatier third person version of like yeah. a Halo. It mm-hmm. was kind of interesting. It had dual wielding, right? Yes, that was yeah. the, I think one of the, one of their big marketing points actually. Mm-hmm. You could have um, a gun in each hand. Remember when that was like a major selling point? I do. I remember being told that in a Wolfenstein 2 preview. I'm like, mm. still doing that? Well, like, it was everything is old and new again. Yeah. You know, it became people became nostalgic for that level <laughs> of Wolfenstein dumbness. Wolfenstein brought it back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess guys stop talking the White House is going to hear us. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Pretty violent, huh? All right, well, let's move on to something totally non-violent. Number four. Does that spark any memories Hell for no. anyone? Is it the boot-up sound from the Dreamcast? Uh, <laughs> more like your boot disc for the Dreamcast. Right. Is that like a, like a res or a Child of Eden type thing? It sounds a little uh, bit This like... is Curiosity, What's Inside the Cube. Excuse okay. me. Which what? some of you might remember as something that people were briefly obsessed with. It was like a game for, for mobile devices. Mm-hmm. And all you did was like there was this massive, massive cube. And basically, everyone who was playing could simultaneously tap away tiny squares. Mm. And the idea was that people would gradually erode it down to nothing. And uh, they they actually like would put out... There, there was a bunch of, of interest and enthusiasm around this time. They put out a trailer called The End is Near or something like that, where it was just like... YouTubers uh, streaming it and like talking about like oh this is look somebody wrote a naughty word on here oh look at this etc. See what's inside the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? We need Paltrow's head. Oh, we got it. No, it's probably <laughs> like a little note saying ha ha. Actually, that wasn't far off the. I <laughs> <laughs> wasn't far off the the reality of it because somebody finally got to the center of the cube after, I think, close to a year. And uh, I, I don't think the game is playable at all anymore. Like, it was just an experiment to see, like, how long will it take for people to break it down to the center of this? What resulted. Yeah. Well, and then uh, what turned out to be at the center was a video of uh, Peter Molyneux uh, saying uh. this. Welcome to the end of curiosity. We started this experiment back in November of 2012. And we have been completely blown away by how the world has embraced this amazing experiment. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it was, an experiment. Could we take the simplest possible conceivable thing, connecting people together and allowing them to tap on this massive cube, (laughs) could we take that and pose this question of what's in the centre? 
I think it sounds like he confused himself with the Peter Molyneux account. That is just <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, is that Echo because his head's up his own ass? <laughs> <laughs> where Where is he filming that? Like a church? He, he, was, born, he was born in SF MoMA. That's I've seen it in installations <laughs> that are just it's, like this. It's some sort of green screen room where he's just like standing on a, a giant white uh, in, inside of a giant white cube, basically. Um, but yeah, this was sort of infamous in that the winner was, I think, a teenager who had like just started playing it that day and like managed nice. to tap away at like the last so layer. It was, and... it was sort of all about being the last person to take the last swing. Yeah, basically. Okay. And this is, like the first person to crack through the center gets to see this video, and then they get they get contacted by uh, Twenty Two Cans, a developer, and they get the option like, do you want to? Uh, keep this a secret or share it with the world. But the prize was a pretty big and impressive thing that nothing else had really offered anything quite like this. We are making a game called Goddess. The whole game is about being a god to your followers. Can I do that again? You, <laughs> you the person who had reached the center, will be the god of all people that are playing Goddess. You will decide intrinsically decide on the rules that the game is played by. And, here's the life-changing bit, you will share in the success of the product. Wow, so an unpaid job. Well, it was was supposed to be paid in that, like, you get to do this stuff and then uh, you will get uh, residuals from the sales of every copy of Goddess and uh, it didn't work um, out so well. A residual okay. of nothing is nothing. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. Well, it was also that like uh, somebody talked to this kid like two years after the fact and it turned out that like yeah, that they had kind of treated him like an afterthought. I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I guess come to our studio and then we'll have dinner with you and then nobody will contact you afterward and mm. nothing will ever come of this. And apparently they, they talked to Molyneux and he, he was like, oh, that's inexcusable. No, the person who was in charge of being in contact with him left and was never replaced. And uh, it was and just, yeah. What happened for, did he get disgruntled and start talking to the press or was the press kind of always reaching out to this guy? But he's also a teenager, and if you don't yeah. deny a teenager a I prize... I don't know if he had reached out to the press or if the press had reached out to him. But they ended, he ended up talking yeah. to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And making this a much larger fiasco than it had to be. Mm-hmm. And did Goddess ever come out? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is It is out. You can buy it. Uh, it's on it is Steam. a product. Yes. <laughs> I think they, they might have discontinued support for it or something early. Like, it's mm-hmm. out, but it was... Like all my new projects, it, it did not live up to his original vision of the product. The project. So did he trash it right when it came out? <laughs> I I'd give so. it. To, I'd give give it to seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a fiasco, an amazing idea for a prize that was never quite followed through on. And he he did say, I think the last I read of it was that him saying like, "No, we'll make this right. We'll mm-hmm. we'll we'll get uh, we'll, a cash settlement." Yeah. How would you Something. like? A $500 iTunes gift card. <laughs> Only good online head games. <laughs> uh, or you can take what's in the box. <laughs> what's in the box is the same video you've already seen of me talking. I feel like even the, the promise of this social experiment was kind of undermined by the fact that Noby Noby Boy had been doing a similar mm-hmm. kind of like crowdsourced weird, let's see yeah. if we can all work together to do this weird nebulous thing. Yeah, they didn't promise anything crazy, but nope. I feel like they'd already beat him to that. It did eventually. That did eventually happen, mm-hmm. but like a, many years after it launched, it was right. only like a handful of maniacs who were still on board and trying to unlock. God whatever. bless those maniacs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 
know. Because didn't the whole game shut down after that or something like that? I can't remember. You know, I don't know. I mean, who turns on their PS3 anymore oh, <laughs> to find man. out? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be, boy, I think, I think, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still playable, which it, I hope so because it was kind of fun. Yeah, it was neat. Like, I don't understand what's happening, but I'm eating things yeah, and you're... pooping them out, and it makes me longer. You can also eat your own butt in that game. <laughs> yep. Yeah. If something uh, like that launched now, like a... it would be a Bitcoin miner. Guaranteed. Uh, I'd be yeah, using yeah, the clicker game. game. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah, the, the eating your own butt thing is like, man, this is like a, a precursor to genital jousting, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> the millennial version. Ah, yes. Yeah, ignoring napkins <laughs> and eating ass. <laughs> Best life. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Number three. Swing and a miss, and there it is. A perfect oh, game. What a performance. <laughs> Gary, I don't think there's a better feeling in sports than mastering your craft. He was absolutely unhittable all game long. Now he's going to go down with the other legends of the game for his accomplishments today. Oh, man, we will not say his name. Just (laughs) a bit outside. Oh, no, comes to the plate. It's Serrano. (laughs) Sorry, that's my body. We we won't say his name, not even when we're uh, in the lead-up to to jinxing this whole fucking thing. That's at the knees for a called strike. Uh, Gary, in the ninth inning, has not given up a hit in this one, so we may be looking at some history for him personally and for his club. I'm not going to say what that club is, but Mm. okay. Mm. Uh, But this is MLB 2K10 which had a million-dollar prize for the first verified perfect game. So you have to pitch a complete no-hitter, and uh, you, you can win a million dollars. And unlike the previous two prizes, this one actually did go through, and it changed the life of uh, one little boy. Two months ago, Wade McGilberry entered a contest <laughs> where the goal was to pitch a perfect game. It was 27 up, 27 down for the opposition, and Wade became an instant millionaire. By little boy, I mean a fully grown man who uh, (laughs) defers to his wife on everything. So you play video games in a given day, how much would you say? Um, Probably about half an hour to an hour, uh, just until my wife gets home. (laughs) And she says enough already. Mm -hmm. But this is interesting, because this was a new version of a baseball game from Y2K, right? Uh, from 2K Sports. 2K Sports, sorry. Right. And uh, that was a whole other thing about 2K. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. From 2K Sports. Mm-hmm. And they, they had an offer, right? So, yeah, he, gets, he got interviewed on the CBS Morning Show mm-hmm. by this guy who's probably in the back of his head thinking, what has happened to my career? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, it's probably more, more in a 2K's marketing plan like to put this guy mm-hmm. on Good Morning America. Well, yeah, the fuck what, yeah. what were the conditions? Because... So, Perfect game is, I mean, it's really hard, right? Basically, it's, it's more than a no-hitter. It's no one can reach a base. So you can't walk anybody. You can't hit someone mm, with the ball. That's what I... It's, it's, it's one of the hardest things in real baseball to do, but was it a certain difficulty level or above? Like, what were the rules? Like, was there certain teams you just couldn't play as or something? Say, so, yeah, they, they'd be cheap if they played as these I mean, guys. Sure, I'm going to have to look up the rules now. Yeah, I don't know what a no-hitter it is, and I did, when I heard about this, um, I heard about it from an individual saying that, yes, many people tried to claim this prize and were turned down for various data they didn't reach, uh, including some semi-famous wrestler, I think. Um yeah. All right. I guess I guess the rules are uh, Xbox 360 and PS3 only. Oh. Uh, residents of Arizona, Connecticut, Maryland, North Dakota, and Vermont are ineligible. Sorry, oh. Tennessee. Must be 18 years or older. But so there's. But I guess. But it's not saying 
it had to be against the computer or I mean I guess I could go on with Chris and just be like, hey, just don't swing at anything. and I'll." Um, so recording must be recorded with sufficient clarity and resolution such that all text displayed upon selecting perfect game mode is clearly visible and legible in the recording along with the button icon which appears during an accept or decline challenge prompt. Uh, Prior to attempting to complete and record a perfect game, eligible entrants should run a test recording to ensure blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I guess it was a specific mode. Specific mode, mode right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the thing that sucked, though, is years later, the tape, they, they turned out, it, you know, Billy Mitchell had faked the whole thing, right? And it was a huge <laughs> scandal <laughs> in that community. Yeah. Kill screen coming up. But, I, I uh, know, but Billy Mitchell quote. didn't have to also have a verification code clearly visible on screen. So you'd have uh, to know what that is if you were going to I don't know. It. I heard it was like a main version or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it was. Because mm. oh, it yeah. usually refreshes left to right. Mm-hmm. And then if you look real closely. It's here. how it's scanning. It's how it's scanning. Yeah. <laughs> Kill screen coming up. We never talked about those guys. Oh, man. I watched <laughs> And we many. never will. I thank God for that. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, we are those guys. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I'm, not, I'm not that fixated on screen refresh rate. But I have I have a feeling. I mean, I've done contests before, and they're awful, and so are the people entering them. Um, you should probably make this contest a hint of it, like ten percent winnable. Mm-hmm. There's probably a window to like if no one does this in this time period, mm-hmm. it's over. So we don't have to give yeah. out a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, it also like so I thought they did this uh, more than once. Yeah, yeah. Like this is a standing thing upon release of baseball game oh maybe i'm not sure I, they, when i look it up it's all like mlb 2k10 but maybe mm. they've done could be wrong i mean they're uh, the only the only baseball game in town now is the show right so they have oh, there yeah. hasn't been another baseball game they probably don't years. need to do that yeah we'll give away in-game currency honestly my favorite part of this whole thing is like at the end of the interview mm-hmm. uh like the guy's wife comes mm-hmm. on and just like stands there grinning and uh says hello and then like the the newscaster's like the the interviewers like standing there like giving a an outro to the camera standing next to the the winner and she just like turns with the smile still on her face and walks out of the frame <laughs> <laughs> like I guess I go now <laughs> it wasn't worth it become a millionaire overnight taxes do take a yeah. buy yes yeah. and what were they going to do with the money well we're going to pay off our house and then uh, we're going to start a family we're going to start a family okay. I'm going to buy MLB two K eleven yeah 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 <laughs> pre order now all right moving on. Number two. How'd you get that great 8-bit music in here? I did see the Laser Time community a while back, like, mm-hmm. said, post your favorite game animation cycles. Ah, yes. And this character's walk, because, like, it is such a strut where he, like, <laughs> pumping his face, like, kicking his feet out. It is, he is yeah, so happy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't know his name. This but. game has actually some pretty amazing animation for an NES game that mm-hmm. I think everyone, in retrospect, hates. Uh, this is Treasure, Treasure Master. Master. For I think for people of a certain age, like, if you say real-life contests that reward an in, uh, in-game performance. Like, this is the first thing they think of. Yeah, because this was televised, wasn't it? Or they tried to televise it? Sort of, in that uh, there was a brief window, like, for one hour between 12 and 1, they said, like, watch MTV for this secret code. Uh, That's Put the was. secret code in at the beginning of the game and then play through the game and uh, you will unlock a secret prize world. If you can beat the prize world within a, within this 12-hour window... And uh, send us the resulting code, like call call this nine hundred number with mm-hmm. this code. You will win uh, one of several prizes. The prizes were kind of a big deal, especially for nineteen ninety one. 
1992. The BMX 1992. bike? No, it was... A, <laughs> that dope hat that he has? Oh, yeah. There were, that yeah. fucking oh, Lego man. Just, right just there. really give me the whole outfit. So yeah. two grand prize winners could pick from four different prizes... Uh, a fantasy concert anywhere in the USA where you um, like you and three friends fantasy. recording legend Falco. Yeah, we'll get to the, <laughs> we'll get uh, the best seats of the at the concert of your choice, and uh, we'll also get five thousand dollars in spending money. We'll pay for any air for our hotel. Wow. Great uh, fantasy sports experience or spectacular, which is the same thing but for a sporting event. And uh, you could get a fantasy game room. But fantasy sports would mean something totally different now. It would just be a room full of 40-year-old nerds <laughs> drafting so, imaginary playing players. Playing football D&D. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So a fantasy game room was a 50-inch big screen projection TV. Yeah, dim as the day is long. With an awesome component <laughs> sound system. Yeah. Just don't leave it on. It's Everything will yeah, burn yeah. into that yes, screen overnight. Absolutely. Don't play video games on yeah, it. Just don't. Yeah, just don't. Yeah. Even terrible. though you will get a Super NES with 12 Super NES game packs. Oh, God. With a C. I always laugh whenever I remember how we used to call them packs. packs. And that's, right. that's like Pack video shit. cartridges, yeah. you know. Or you could take a $10,000 cash buyout and create your own personal fantasy, as it says in, mm. the, in the contest ad. 250 people got uh, Super Nintendos. Uh, 336,000 people got official poster-sized Treasure Master certificate. Wow. Um, the, the only story I can have been able to find from a winner was like a blogspot post by a guy who won the contest. At, got like a Super Nintendo mm-hmm. when he was uh, 13 or so. And he, that he like played it repeatedly and thought like, oh, I can just use my action replay to stop on the last level. And then they'll give me the code and I can just immediately go into the, the final prize so he cheated. Yeah, he, he wanted to cheat. But then it turns out, oh, you have to put in the password at the beginning. Mm. And if you do that, and then after you finish what is usually the final level, this happens. World War! The end of this? The prize world is... You are the treasure master. (laughs) The prize world is like an amusement park themed level where malevolent clowns attack you. There's a big roller coaster in the background. There are mini games based on, like, Carnival Midway games. Mm. Um, and it looks horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I mean, I, I've tried to play this game. It Treasure is, Master, by the way. It's a really interesting take mm-hmm. on, like, trying to combine a platformer with a, a puzzle game and then, mm-hmm. like, you have to know your way around these maps and, like, all right, for this, I have to first find these boots that let me kick things to death and then from there I can find this bomb and if I get this bomb to this part in in time then I can get a remote control that lets me control a magnet that lets me pull up a submarine that lets me progress in level like that's the first thing you have to do mm. it is not a normal walk to the right and kill things kind of game but it's it's also like you can sort of if you've played enough games you can sort of like see through what the developers are trying to do mm. and there are certain things like all oh, right you figured like okay the most extreme thing a player can do is like they can reach this if they stand on like the last pixel on this platform and jump all the way to the right and time it perfectly or they can get to the this thing like right before the bomb blows up stuff like that that Mm -hmm. it's it's like it's really taxing and over hard and (laughs) it's not really enjoyable i mean that was like the second the contest was over all of our interests just totally went away. Yeah. Like, you, even, the, cared. even the 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 self-professed winner, he said like, yeah, I've played this I played this dozens of times uh when it was 
uh, going on. Like I got to the point where I could get through most of the game without taking a hit. Mm-hmm. I had not, I have not touched it since I won that I, contest. Like I remember <laughs> begging my parents for this and telling them the reason why, and they're like, "That's fucking stupid. You don't know anything about this game. Wait yeah. for three months till right. Nintendo Power publishes its glowing review, and then subtract three. Now leave us alone and go watch Nick Arcade. Yes. Oh my god. I'm going to the left right now. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> what he did. Uh, but yeah, this this was a, a pretty grandiose deal for the, the mid-80s, uh, but not quite as grandiose as this. I hate everything about these games so much. <laughs> is this Sword Quest? This is Sword Quest! Sword Specifically, Quest. Sword Quest Earthworld. Is this is this the game Tom Hanks is playing at the beginning of Big? Like uh, just some generic game. That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> Sword no, no, Quest. no. It's not. It's not. This is this is like if you've ever played uh, Adventure or ET uh, on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. It's it's a, it's a game in that vein. Mm. Well, it's it's more than one game, right? It's yeah, actually it's, a series of. It's games. three games that came out all within pretty pretty quickly and you can kind of see that in the diminishing returns on quality in each one so again this was Earthworld the first game <laughs> uh, here's Fireworld the, the second Commodore game skipping. So the the first game uh, you were like that that the whole game soundtrack sounds like interference in my yeah, speaker. Yes, like your yeah. Commodore sixty four has indigestion. That's, that's yeah. Atari twenty six hundred uh, sounds. That's really all they were. <laughs> oh my god, my cat's gonna warp up a fur so ball. <laughs> first game Earthworld had like a a colored character that like a full color character that you were maneuvering around and just this maze of like there are four exits on either side. Some rooms you can't mm-hmm. go through the exits so. Uh, it's just really confusing and messed up. Uh, Second World had actually some something approaching level design, but you had just like a little <laughs> black stick figure that you were moving around. And then uh, also there would be, in, in all of these, there would be, sometimes be really frustrating minigames that were just incomprehensible. Like, what am I doing here? Am I trying to avoid these birds that are uh, coming toward my paddle, or am I trying to hit them? This is trying to get a van started. I would know this anywhere. Ah, yes. <laughs> Jesus. Until finally you had Waterworld. Dryland's on a bit. Which just had that music. Uh, but this... Almost wow, a song. music. Yeah, so the, th- the <laughs> thing about these games is I'm, I'm ragging on them, but at the same time, like, they are kind of impossible to play if you don't know what you're doing. And they were meant to be played with a comic book series that was also mm-hmm. coming out at the same time. So you would... Uh, do these challenges in the game like I think in the first one it was like based on the Zodiac and all the rooms had, were tied to a different Zodiac symbol and you had to go yeah. around and like leave items in certain rooms and God. as you succeeded then uh, you would get like a little code that said like 194 it's like okay so that's the 19th page of the comic book on the in the fourth panel there's a, a hint and uh, you needed to find like all these secret words that were in the comic. So you needed both things in order to succeed. And then you, you sent it in, and the people who got all five wor- words right got to go to a an event at Atari, like a, a tournament where they were given like a special version of Sword Quest and given like 90 minutes to beat it. Mm. And uh, I think the first one, the, per- the person 
beat it within like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And but the the prizes for this are what's incredible that like they were all worth like $25,000 created by the Franklin Mint. Uh, I think the first one was like this pendant that was like uh, golden, like made out of gold and studded with actual diamonds. Oh, and uh, the second one uh, for Fireworld was like this goblet. It was a chalice of light, is what yeah, they call it. Yeah, chalice of light, yeah. which uh, they, the first one, the pendant was apparently melted down and sold off for college money. Mm-hmm. The pendant, or the, the chalice is still in the possession of the guy who won it, keeps it in a safe deposit box. Uh, and then the for Waterworld, was it a crown? The crown of life, which is gold and encrusted with aquamarines, diamonds... Green tourmalines, rubies, and sapphires. So Those an are episode all of my Universe. favorite Steven Universe. Ah, We tripped over ourselves. So really depraved minds think alike. <laughs> yeah, but the the thing was that by the time Waterworld had come out, uh, Atari's like fortunes were kind of flailing. They the, yeah. the game market was crashing. Uh, it was 1984, and the stock was so low that uh, I think Jack Tramiel, the head of Commodore, mm-hmm. uh, bought up the company. And wow. the contest was a casualty of that. So because people had already bought Waterworld on the basis of, like, I can enter this contest and win this prize, there was reportedly a secret competition, a, a secret tournament with a bunch of people. Somebody Whoa. won. It was never really publicized. And then uh, there was going to be... The original plan was that there was going to be a fourth game, Airworld, <laughs> and that that would have its own prize, and then uh, when that was done, all four winners would be reunited to compete for the final prize, which was worth fifty thousand dollars, and was like a solid gold sword. And mm. there's like a lot of rumors about the sword. People said like, "Oh, Jack Tramiel took it and put it above his mantelpiece." Other people saying like, "No, that was just a, a sword that his it was a family heirloom." And uh, yeah. in actuality, the the Franklin Mint kept the prizes and never released them, so and none of the probably melted them out. down to make something else. Well, some did. No, yeah, the first prize did come out, and the guy yeah. did, he melted it at, melted it down to pay tax on it oh and and to use yeah. for his college fund. Yeah. Oh my god! But and, the, the, the others, it does get. I mean, the most interesting like part of these games is the competition, mm-hmm. and so yeah, a lot of the prizes people just don't know. There are like Atari historians were like, we think maybe this secret competition happened. We think this this prize got awarded. Yeah. We don't know. Or there not. are people who say the the secret competition was legally obligated to happen. They had to do right because they released the game. People sent in answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And and that's I mean we're going back to like Majesco with the whole cancel contest like they had to offer something because there were people who bought it thinking yeah. I can win a million dollars but yeah. Airworld never came out Airworld, Airworld never, never came out, out. the okay. prize was supposed to be a nitrous party stone. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Party, but then yeah the grand yeah. prize was this the you know the name of the the grand prize sword. Uh, I did. What, what is it? The Sword of Ultimate Sorcery. That's right, <laughs> yes. And it was the thing that the, the MacGuffin that the characters were after in the comic book. Mm. Yeah, and, and basically... This is it, the end of sorcery. So, so that would have been the four winners of the previous four games mm-hmm. playing against each other yeah. to see who won the Sword of Ultimate Sorcery. And right? apparently the previous winners, because they couldn't compete for this prize, were compensated with like $15,000 and an Atari 7800. Wow. <laughs> wow, oh, which is beyond Here, you throw this away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, it's Atari's attempt to take on the NES. Oh, it's dead. It could be a good toaster someday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn. Uh, well, you know, now you know why this doesn't happen. Because we did some of that stuff when I worked in community management, it's like it's like crazy hard to verify mm-hmm. uh, that like in-game contests like never do it. Just never, especially now that people can break down code and 
just maybe find these rooms in these places well before anybody oh, yeah. else. Well, like there, there are cases of uh, like the Wolfenstein 3D was going to mm-hmm. have a big contest. Uh, where like if you found this secret room oh, and you no. pushed through and like found this secret panel and like there was a secret password that says like call id with a number and tell them this word but like modders found it immediately yeah mm-hmm. and like okay we can't do this like before the contest was even announced they found yeah, it yeah like remember that like even when, like call of duty's come out people find the types of dlc before how could you yeah. even do an in game contest again i don't know god damn just reward performance, but then you'll find somebody's like using a trainer or hacking or yeah. whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The easiest way to do this contest is skill based, but it's also the hardest because verifying all that stuff. Yeah. And oh, so yeah. that's why a lot of the. I mean, nowadays, what we have for video game contests, it's esports. Mm-hmm. Let's let's actually bring you here on a version of the game we installed ourselves and yeah. have you perform and play. And then, which I'm guessing that's why Atari did it this way with all of mm-hmm. these four games. They, they brought in the people with the correct answers to then make them play themselves in person, right? So that was their way of probably preventing cheating. Mm. Yeah, God, damn, probably. Ter- terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Even I'd be tempted to cheat, to learn <laughs> learn coding. But yeah, Sword Quest... For that if sweet I, crown? Come on. <laughs> I've already forgotten if I said it or not. Sword Quest was the, the game that inspired uh, Ernest Klein to write Ready Player One, oh. and also Armada. And it's, it's easy to see why, how that could capture the mm. imagination of someone... Uh, who was a kid at that time because it's like it's like uh, Last Starfighter meets Willy Wonka was I think how one person <laughs> described it yeah but it will so Armada I read, I read both I, I enjoyed both but yeah, yeah Armada is very much Armada I think got knocked because it's almost scene for scene the Last Star, Starfighter mm-hmm. mixed with uh, is it Mobius the, the the myth of the Mobius arcade game which was basically Polybius, Polybius. 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 thank you I'm yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. it was the game that was supposed to kill you if you played it right, <laughs> right. so yeah. so or it was like part of a CIA MK Ultra yeah. it was, program. Which I played at California yeah. Extreme. I was fine. I was fine. <laughs> well, I think they, there's one on like PSN right now. Like someone released yeah, it, yeah, it last year. It was year. Jeff Minter, yeah. the creator of Tempest yeah. and Space Giraffe. Uh, and noted yeah. Dan Amricator. Uh-huh. <laughs> really? Yeah, he sold a shirt that had Dan Amricator. Yeah, zero out of ten. OXM Dan is my main man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. You wonder why he doesn't work in press anymore. Mm. Wow. <laughs> now, now imagine YouTubers are making apps. Would you want to... Is you want to go on record reviewing their game? So, like, Dan was the original Bob Mackie with Colin Moriarty. A, l- a little bit, except uh, not. Okay. <laughs> only because it was a, a developer versus reviewer. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, Bob did that with um, oh, yes. the guy, the two-human guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. He was talking about Bob McKee. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. McKee. Totally different Bob, different Bob. Yeah. Yeah. McKee, my precious key. <laughs> <laughs> what well, that's that's been our first ever standalone mm. top five. Hope oh, yeah. you enjoyed mm. it. Uh, but let's go out with some uh, some plugs. What do people? What are you guys working on? Mm. Well, you can find out information on the game I'm making at daxnd.com. Uh, we actually have um, a demo we're working on for GDC, mm. so we'll hopefully have some video footage of actual in-game stuff um, the next couple weeks. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Like. Where I'm making video games. I like know. the art style from what I've seen <laughs> Thank so you. far. Yeah, hopefully uh, we get to show people what it actually looks like in motion rather mm-hmm. than just screenshots. But I'm making a pirate space pirate adventure game where you can smooch everybody. Mm. So it's like it's like Monkey Island, but Persona Four and Mass Effect and all the character relations stuff in those mm. games, sort of like distilled down in kind of a visual novel 
format. Now you, you, know, mean, you, can, you mean smooch is like a relationship thing, not like Chulip, where the game is literally going around smooching people. We'll what? see. We'll you can see tell Nathan, Nathan's working on his GDC pitch right here. He's like, I'm kind of making nice, this nice. thing. Working, uh, worked, past tense, it's already done. <laughs> well, you don't care what I'm, what I'm working on is boring business stuff, but I've been doing a lot of recording with Chris for uh, a lot of Laser Time projects. Yeah. Uh, so if you go to patreon.com slash laser time, you can hear me on a few of the bonus times, which are the exclusive patron-only uh, podcasts that are kind of a slice of life, behind-the-scenes look at what the hosts have been up to in, in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Time-wise, I guess I, got, I haven't really said it on mic uh, chronologically, but I'm we're mov- I'm moving. Um, bum, bum, bum. Yeah, uh, just something that had to be done. Hear more about that on bonus time. Uh, Patreon.com slash later time is how we're supported. Uh, we do... In- Encourage you to continue supporting us. Um, we understand if you don't want to, but it's like if you want the shows to keep coming out, that's what has to happen. Uh, but yeah, in the process of moving cross country, it's going to take a little while, but it shouldn't. No show that you listen to should be gone. There should be something to replace it every single time. Just uh, a couple of other things, that, uh, no streams for a little bit, um, mm-hmm. no Monday night movies for a little bit. But uh, yeah, we'll have plenty of stuff for you guys. I want to keep doing this. It just, um, yeah, just had to, had to make an adult decision. Here we are. Here we are, and we're doing this. We're doing shows like this. I think this is fun. Yeah, I like it. Fun. I like it. We've been Video Game Apocalypse. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, you can follow the show on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or me personally at Wikiparas. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Access to better food, um, yeah. Well, cheaper food, certainly. Dude, that public stuff. You gotta, you gotta read about publics. You can go date cast Publix members if you want. Do, I mean, do if what? That's your thing at Disney World. Oh yeah, you can go yeah. date cast members. Yeah. And they're living the dream. Living <laughs> the dream. I mean, the, the ones in the Disney store are terrifying. So, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> their eyes crazy get all pink. People sometimes have amazing sex. True. So Trade off. It's true. Those women in the Disney store. Oof, they seem like they've all been kidnapped. They're like the lady who kidnapped Jay Sherman and that one up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're like mousy, yeah. and but they seem like they can fucking murder you. Yeah, I mentioned. Oh, yeah, Lady Tramp. You know, Lady in the Tramp. Yes, I am an yes, exclusive sir. club of tens of millions. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. I, I know Lady in the Tramp.